Every once in a while, um, there's, a, there's a, an opportunity where I get to bring in one of my friends and, and one of my mentors uh, to come and speak and come, and come and preach to us today. And a couple of my friends are like, hey, what are you preaching on this week? I said, I'm not preaching. I've got, I got something better for you. My mentor's here today. He's going to be preaching to us today. And um, 15 or 20 years ago, I, I got on a bus and uh, went, my parents sent me to youth camp, and um, I don't think they were doing it because they loved us. They were doing it because they need a break from me for a week. You know what I'm saying? And if now you know me, you know they need a break. They sent me to youth camp, and I met our, I met our speaker today. And since then, he's become a spiritual father a figure in my life. He's become a friend, a brother, uh, a, a big, tall, white uncle that I never, ever had. And um, I'm super thankful for him. And he's become, uh, he's also one of the overseers here of our church, and um, this is the guy that helped uh, bring Di and I connect us to each other and connect us, keep us on the right track. And, and through our college years, I traveled with him and worked for him for, for four years. And, and God just um, used him in a great way just to kind of bring me along. And um, he'll tell you I got a long way to go. And so he's still bringing me along. And so um, he's one of our overseers. I'm thankful for him. I'm humbled, humbled by him. He's, he's meant a lot to me. And so could you do me a favor today? Could you stand to our feet today? And can we put our hands together and welcome our guest speaker today, my friend, Pastor Ed. All right, stay up for a second. Do something for me. What's the favorite, favorite sports team of people that live in this area? Just somebody shout it out. The Gators? Okay, now I want you to pretend like Tim Tebow was still playing for the Gators back when they were winning real good, right? They win the national championship. You're going crazy, and that's how you're clapping this morning for your pastor and his wife, Wesley and Diana. Let's honor them in the house this morning. We can do that. God bless you very much. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. I'm very honored to be with you. As, as Wesley told you, my name is Ed, and uh, my sweet wife, Kim, is with me this morning. We also have a couple from our church that are dear, dear friends of ours, Ken and Monica, and we're so uh, blessed to be able to spend time with them this weekend and see your church and see what you're doing. Uh, this is one of your bracelets. That's as far as it goes down on me, okay? Uh, there's some things happening in your church that you may not be aware of. Uh, there's, there's a new members kind of a class thing that's happening right after church. Pastor Wesley's going to tell you about. But also, uh, he just told me as we were sitting up front that he brought the CrossFit people here to church today to have an intervention for me after church. I'm encouraged and offended all at the same time. So, uh, But uh, we're sure blessed. Boy, I love watching what God's doing in your church. We follow you on uh, Facebook and uh, also through communicating to your pastor. And boy, God's doing something special. You're in the right church. You, you, you believe that this morning? You're in the right place. You're a place that's honoring Jesus, lifting him up. People's lives are being changed. And, and God's just doing something special here. And, and that's the thing. You know, when something isn't growing, it's dying. You know, and, and, and we've experienced that. One of the things that the Lord has, has, has done in my life and in my wife's life is he's called us uh, into this ministry of uh, kind of restoring churches that have gone through uh, just some bad stuff. And our church right now, we're on the upswing. We're growing now. We had to do some purge in the past couple years. Uh, but we're in a place where we're growing right now, and God's doing some great stuff uh, in our ministry in uh, Plano, Richardson, Texas area. And uh, we're excited. We're getting ready to uh, hopefully uh, this week we're putting a, build, a bid on a property, and we're hoping that that will work out for us uh, for our future because we just want to be a church like yours where everybody's accepted and loved. We don't want to be a church where people feel like they're offending people when they walk in. I'm, I'm so stinking tired. You know what? I'm going to say this is even part of my message. This is free. I'm so stinking tired of all the judgmental crap on Facebook from Christians. 
I am. Because you know what we have to be careful of? We're kind of known more by what we're offended by than what we love. You know, and, and, and we've got to be careful of that. We have to let the redeemed of the Lord, right? Not all these things that we're mad at. And if, I, mean, I just don't want to be one of those Christians where people see me and say, man, he's just mad all the time. I don't want to be mad. I don't want to be mad because the Philadelphia Eagles are seven and one and I'm from Philadelphia. So I'm a happy boy today, okay? Uh, but we ought to be the most happiest, joyful, and that doesn't mean we're not going to go through trouble. That doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges our way. That doesn't mean all of our bills go away and our health becomes perfect. But what it means is, is we're declaring that God's way is the right way and we're going to follow him. And it's made an impact on our life. Hey, if you have a Bible, I'm going to read one verse. It's probably going to be up on the screen to you this morning. It's in Romans chapter 5 if you want to turn there. Like I told you earlier, uh, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Lived most of my life there. Was born and raised uh, to be a super duper loyal sports fan in that area. But, you know, there's been a lot of iconic sports figures that have come out of uh, the Philadelphia sports teams. Donovan McNabb was just a, you know, great quarterback. They won four NFC championships and was well known. Um, we have some, uh, a boxer named Joe Frazier. Now, I'm old, that's old school. That's, there's only a couple guys that know who Joe Frazier is in here, but uh, he was a world famous uh, boxer that, that came out of Philly. He actually came to my father's hoagie shop of all places and bought lottery tickets there all the time. And he would take out, he would take out a big wad of money and spend like $1,000 on lottery tickets. And my dad would say to him, Smoking Joe, why are you spending so much money on lottery tickets? He said, I'm almost broke. Well, don't spend $1,000 on lottery tickets, then my dad would tell him. You know, but we got to know him and that was kind of a cool thing. But you know, it's kind of a weird thing about Philadelphia. The most famous athlete that's ever come out of Philadelphia is a fictional character and that's Rocky Balboa. Everybody knows who Rocky is. You know that in the next few weeks during Thanksgiving, the Rocky Marathon's gonna be on TNT or TBS or something. How many of you will watch some of that over the Thanksgiving? Yeah, you gotta watch it. it. CrossFit people, where's the CrossFit people at? Let me hear the CrossFit people. Are you in the house today? You know that Rocky music is very motivating when you're working out and, you know. Uh, I, I'm a big, big, big fan of that stuff. And if you know Rocky, Rocky won, of course, he was this huge underdog, and Apollo Creed gave him this big shot to be uh, for this championship fight, just kind of by chance, and he goes in and, and fights him all the way through to the end of the fight, I think it was 15 rounds, loses on a split decision, comes on the national scene, then of course you have Rocky II. And then Rocky II, they're married, Adrian gets pregnant, and then she has the kid, as he calls him, right? His son, he calls him the kid. And she's in like this weird coma thing for, a, it seemed like weeks and weeks, but maybe it was hours. I don't know how long it was. And she wakes up and everything's hunky-dory and they're in the room together and Rocky's sitting next to her and Paulie, remember Paulie, her brother? He's the, the, the alcoholic brother who's trying to get his life together. We all have a Paulie in our life, amen. And then uh, you had Mickey who was in there. He was the old guy trainer with a real raspy voice. Lots and lots of wisdom, but didn't have two pennies to rub together kind of a guy. And then, of course, Adrian didn't want him to fight again, right? You remember that? Because Rocky just got beat up so bad, but he could take a punch. And he says later in one of his other movies, hey, kid, it's not how much you can get hit. It's not how bad people knock you down. It's how much you can take in that little time he had with his son. And like in Rocky, Rocky 7, 8, 9, or 10, I can't remember which one it was. But I remember that moment. When Adrian wakes up and the baby's there and it's a big happy time in the hospital room 
Adrian calls Rocky over. She says, come here. In that wifey, lovey voice where you know you have to do exactly what she tells you to do, guys. You with me on that? And she looks at him and says, I want you to win. Win, Rocky. I was crying when I saw that the first time. That was emotional for me. I was all into that. That was real deal stuff right there. And then, of course, Mickey says, what are we waiting for? And then right after that, you hear the big bell. Dung. Dun. Then the music starts. He's drinking the eggs, right? Wearing the busted up, really, really old school sweatpants that I think I still have. I call my pregnant pants. But he, he wears them, goes out and runs this Chuck Taylors. How many of you ever had Chuck Taylors before? Raise your hand up. Oh, yeah, Chuck Taylors were the deal. They were $9 when I was a kid. They're $50 today. I don't understand that. So Rocky goes out and he starts training, right? He's training. And he's training because he's got something to fight for. He wants to fight for himself. He wants to fight for his family. He wants to fight for his wife, fight for his future. You know what Rocky was doing? He was going all in. He was going all in. He didn't train like Apollo. Like Apollo had all these distractions with money and finances and endorsements and all these different things. He was fighting because he had something to fight for. That's all he had, you know? And there's, there's a great, great verse in Romans chapter 5. I, I call this a tattoo-worthy verse. How many people have tattoos say amen? It's okay if you do. I have one too. It's right back here in my, no, never mind. I won't show you right now. I got a couple tattoos on this body. This is a big, big, big canvas for a tattoo artist. So it's a good, it's a good body for that. Great verse out of Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. Tattoo-worthy verse. It says this. God demonstrates his own love to us, even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. I'm very intrigued uh, by that word demonstrated because, because here's really what the, what the core of that verse means, that God loved you and he loved me so much that he did something about it. He saw that you and I, just like Diana was talking to us earlier, we were born in this condition. Doesn't mean you're bad. Doesn't mean somebody, tell somebody sitting, you're sitting next to this morning, you're not that bad. Tell them that. You're not that bad. We're not here to make you feel bad today. That's not what the message of Hope Church is about. But the fact of the matter is everybody that's been born, starting with the first person that was born from Adam and Eve, would, was born with this condition called sin. And it was passed on to us. The Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 5. Because of one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passes to all men. Because all have sinned. Romans 3 tells us that. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have this condition that we're born in called sin. Doesn't mean we're bad people, right? It just means we were born with a bad condition. And God said, I love you so much. I'm not going to leave you that way. I'm going to provide a way. He said that in John chapter 14. Jesus said this about himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody can come to the Father except through me. And here's what that word demonstrated means. I like to tell, my wife and I have been married 32 years, and it's funny the times we say I love you to each other, especially guys. We say I love you to our wives right after we do something stupid. Somebody say amen. Honey, I'm sorry. I love you. It's like an instant, you know, we, we know that we're supposed to say that at that time. We say I love you in those special quiet moments, you know, we like to say I love you then. We say I love you on big days, you know. Uh, we had our second grandchild this year, and we're looking through the glass, and they bring this beautiful, tiny little baby uh, to us to look at and to hold. And, the, and we just looked at each other, and we were crying like little kids. 
We said, I love you. I love you too. You, know, you say, I love you then. But I love you is different saying it because we do I love you with the feeling, right? You make me feel good, I'm going to tell you I love you. God did this. He said, I love you. So I'm going to do something about my love for you, and I'm going to demonstrate that to you. I'm going to perform an act that can change your life for all of eternity. And he demonstrated that love by allowing it. And, and Diana said this so well this morning. He gave his son. I have, I have four girls. Um, three of them are married. The, the last one's 20, and we're looking. We're actually taking resumes after church, you know, to, uh, for interviews. We, we really believed in arranged marriages. They work very, very good. But uh, our daughter, our youngest daughter's 20, and uh, she's, we just have sweet kids. And our oldest three girls, for those of you that have daughters, my oldest three girls got married. All three weddings were within 15 months, all in one shot. So it was, it was just a killer. But we just got it paid off, and then grandkids came in, so we're screwed for the future. It's just the way that it is. But if someone were to say to me, hey, listen, all of humanity that has cancer can be cured, and the cancer is found in one of your kids. The only thing you have to do is your kid has to die because there's something inside of that child that, that they can extract, some kind of medicinal or whatever it would be, and everybody in humanity would live because of that. I'd say no. I couldn't give one of my kids up. I don't understand that level of love that God has for us. But he loved you and he loved me so much. The thought of us, now listen, hell's a real deal. Re Revelation chapter 20, verse number 15, the Bible's very clear. And it says, and whoever's not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. That's going to happen someday. But that's not what God wants you to, to, to remember and think of him about. Oh, God's mean. He's going to send people to hell. God's all about judgment. That's not true. God's all about love because he gave and he gave and he gave and he gave and he gave. And you know what he did? He demonstrated that. He demonstrated his love for you even though... And this is what that word, even though we were sinners, this is really what that word means. It means even though we were as far separated from God as we could possibly be. And, and you know what helps us to understand that a little bit? When Jesus was on the cross at Calvary and he was paying for our sins, he was beaten unrecognizably, he was up on that, he was, he was the substitutionary death for you and for me so that we can have forgiveness of sins, Right? God put, and the worst part of all his suffering, if you've ever seen the movie The Passion, it's just a brutal, brutal, probably a micro-truth of actually all that Jesus endured for all of us on the cross at Calvary. The worst part of the suffering of Jesus Christ happened when God put your sin and my sins on his son. And because all of the sins that have ever been committed in the history of mankind were on Jesus, right? God had to turn his back on his son. And Jesus cried out. The Bible has it, uh, even in the English version, it'll have the, the version that Jesus spoke. And it says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And it means this, my God, my God, why have you turned your back on me? And he had to do that because God is perfect and he can't look on sin, he can't even know sin. That's how much he loves you. He went all in for you. I love these mini bracelets, as I like to call them, that say Hope Church All In. Because it really does speak into the theme of what you're, you guys have some exciting things that are going on in your church. I, I, I love listening to Pastor Wesley talk about the dream and the vision for Hope Church. And he was showing uh, my friends Ken and Monica all the rooms and the signs and the banners and the different uh, areas that you have designated for your church. But I want to tell you something. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that the way that your church is growing, and I know you're thankful for this facility, but this facility is not going to be enough for Hope Church someday. Amen. Do you believe that? 
So, so what does that mean? Well, it could mean this. It could mean this, that somebody uh, from the Orlando Magic or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or Carson Wentz comes down and buys his summer home here, says it's only going to cost you $4 million. Oh, that was my signing bonus. Here, go buy a church. But that's not the way it's supposed to happen. You know how it's supposed to happen is? Is if all of us do our part to be a part of God's dream and God's vision. You see, I, I want to I share something with you about, about about God going all in for you. The, the first thing is this, God went all in for you despite our, and I say this our because I'm including myself, despite our condition, the condition of being born in sin, the condition of being separated from God. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 17, nine. It sounds like a mean verse, but it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? I, I have a tendency, Wesley says, yes, you have tendencies, but I have a tendency to want to do what's wrong. You know what the Apostle Paul said about doing right and doing wrong? He was like, he, he shares a verse where he's like a dog chasing his tail. He says, the things that I don't wanna do, I wind up doing, and the things I need to do, that's what I don't wanna do. And what are you saying this? I'm drawn to do the wrong thing because that nature is inside of us just to do dumb stuff. How many of you ever done something dumb before? Raise your hand. How many you done something dumb today? You don't have to raise your hand, Never mind. it's okay. Isn't it funny the way we go to church? I used to laugh when my girls were little. You know, we, it was, it was and I, I, would love to, I would love to put a video camera of some kind in Wesley and Diana's vehicle, probably a minivan or a macro van, I don't know what you guys have, to watch them come to church in the morning. Because I want to tell you something, they're not singing Hillsong, okay? It's survival. You know what it's like when you have a lot of kids, you have a lot, it, it's survival getting them here. Stop throwing out at your sister. You idiot. Who spilled their orange juice in the car? Why did you put chocolate on your white dress? I mean, you're just in survival mode, right? And then you get out of the car, you take the wipies, which is the greatest thing that's ever happened to humanity. I love wipe. We don't have kids anymore, but we still travel with wipies in our bags. I love wipies. And you get out and you wipey your kids, and then you say, smile, we're going to church. <laughs> don't you let that pastor think that we've got a jacked up family. We're all jacked up. We're just all jacked up. And God loves us anyway. You know, what's, you know what's amazing about God? You know, when you come into church, if you're new to this church, let me tell you something. You're in the right church. You're in the right church. Because you're in a church that's not going to judge you. They're not going to put a value on you based on the perception of face value. What, what that means is this. They don't care if you're rich or poor, white or black, red, green, purple, or yellow. They don't care if you're married. They don't care if you're not married. They don't care if you're gay. They don't care if you're not gay. They don't care about any of that stuff. You know what they care about? You need Jesus. But here's the thing about God. You meet new people, right? You could come up to Wesley and have a soup, Pastor Wesley. You could have a really cool outfit on that you ironed this morning. And, and, and you could look really, really sharp and make a super duper great impression on Pastor Wesley and, and Pastress Diana. And uh, you can really make that big impression on them, right? But, but here's the thing. You could be fooling them because aren't we really good at fooling each other? I know how to say the right words, do the right things, dress the right way. I carry breath mints with me all the time. I mean, I do all those things so that I don't offend people by that first meeting. But here's the thing about God. The deepest, darkest, ugliest thing about you, God already knows. And here's what's really cool. He loves you just the way that you are. You don't have to pre-qualify to gain or to acquire or to deserve God's love. He loves you 
just the way that you are. God demonstrated his love for us even though we were sinners. God went all in for us despite our condition. God went all in for us knowing the cost. It was going to cost him his son. I can't imagine that kind of a sacrifice. And here's, here's what's crazy about this. When I, buy, when I demonstrate my love for my wife or my kids or my grandkids, I, I, I'm learning this. There's a really good book, Married Couples, I would recommend it to you, called The Love Languages. I think it's five love languages. And what we need to learn about the way we demonstrate our love to the people we love is we don't all respond to the same kind of love that others do. Here, here's a good example. We'll take a little poll this morning. How many of you are huggers. Raise your hand up in the air. You just hug anybody, right? That's good. It's all good. I'm a hugger too, so I'll take them all on the way out to church. I'm good. How many of you are not huggers? Just put your hand up in the air. My wife's hand's up in the air. It's understandable. And look, that poor lady raised her hand up and she's getting groped on that back row over there. I'm sorry. We talked to each other before church, ma'am. That's why that happened, right? That's not my wife's love language. And I don't blame her, you know? I mean, can you imagine getting hugged by a 310-pound bear every day? My body just swallows her, you know? Oh, I want to breathe. Get off, you know? But people don't respond the same way to love. Some people, their love languages is gifts. Wesley Beecham. <laughs> Pastor Wesley loves, my gosh, does he. You know, here's what's great for you guys. Like when you do pastor appreciation or when you do something for them for Christmas, if you, if you give him a good love, and listen, I'm going to tell you something. You ought to bless your pastor and his family for Christmas. Amen, okay, amen. It's all good. You need to demonstrate your love to his family. There's no question. I know you know that. It's just awkward because I'm telling you to. You're like, how do I say that? We're not taking an offering today. It's all good. But you know what Wesley would like just as much? A really cool baseball hat. He doesn't need, because here's what happens with the love offering. Here, Diana, just take care of the kids and do all that. But when you buy something for him, he lights up like a little kid on Christmas Day. I had him speak for me a couple years ago. I took him into the sports shop. I said, get whatever you want. Get a couple hats and a couple t-shirts. He was like, this is like the greatest day ever. He was like a, he was like a happy eight-year-old on Christmas Day. And then he got all that stuff, and I looked at him. I said, did you get anything for your wife or kids? He went, oh, crap, let me go get some more stuff. He wasn't even thinking about them. And maybe she wouldn't have liked anything from the sports shop, right? He loves getting gifts. That's his love language, right? I don't know what your love language is, but all of us have a different way that, that we like to be like demonstrative love shown toward us. But the greatest way to love somebody is to meet the need that they have, right? To meet the need that they have. And that's what God did for you. He knew your greatest need and he met that need. Why? Because he went all in for you. He demonstrated his love. He demonstrated his love because he loves you just the way that you are. He demonstrated his love because he couldn't bear. Now, we talk about being with God forever and ever and ever and ever. Listen, God wants you to be with him. He loves you so much, he wants you to spend forever with him. But, but man, God going all in, there ought to be some kind of response to that for, from us. If God went all in for us, wouldn't you think the natural response for us to be to go all in for him? But sometimes we get a little apprehensive with those things because, you know, when churches, uh, when they talk about giving, that's all the churches talk about. They just want our money. Or when churches do this, they want that. There's always an ulterior motive. We really question the, uh, the, the, the motives of, of the pastor or the motives of whatever the endeavor is that that church is in right now. We try to figure it out and think there's some kind of underlying, you know, weird thing behind it. And we get very apprehensive to go all in. You know why we're apprehensive to go all in with God? 
because a lot of people struggle with self-reliance. We live in a part of North Texas where self-reliance is a huge, huge, huge wall to get down. Uh, when you pull into the schools in our area, the nicest cars in the parking lot are the kids' cars. Mercedes-Benzes, uh, really nice trucks, F-150s like nobody's business that are all tricked out, super-duper cool-looking. Those are the kids' cars. The teachers' salaries are unbelievable in the public school system. I'm not saying they don't deserve it. They do. But it is an area of a lot, a lot of money. A lot, a lot of rich people live around us. And usually people that are self-sufficient, self-made, went to college, started a business, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're this, they're this, they're this. It's very hard to say to them, hey, you know what? Even though you have everything, let me share with you something that you need. You need Jesus. I don't need Jesus. Look, I got everything. What else do I need? I got everything I've ever wanted to have in my whole life. And self-reliance keeps us from going all in because we, we think that we're God sometimes. Another reason we don't go all in is because we're afraid of what we're going to have to give up. You know, oh my gosh. I had a guy that I was talking to about the Lord uh, a couple years ago. And man, this guy was just super, super brutally honest in his response. He wasn't giving those like Southern responses. Hey, I'll think about like, hey, would you like to come to church? Yeah, let me see what my schedule looks like and I'll get back. Hey man, thanks a lot. And they were really, really nice like in the South, like they are. This guy was just brutally honest. I said, hey bud, man, just great conversation. Love getting to know you. Hey man, how'd you like to come to church with us on Sunday? Here's what he said to me. No. I mean, Super honest. No, I'm not going to. What, what, would you consider coming to church? No, I don't want to go to church. What do I want to do that for? If I go to your church, I got to quit smoking. I got to quit drinking. I got to quit doing what I do on the weekends. And I'm going to hear about it all day when I'm at your church. I don't feel like coming to a place that judges me. And you know what's the truth? That's what most of the world thinks that church is. That's what they think. And then you come to church, right? And you come in and you're kind of feeling the vibe, and you're like, okay, there's a lot of weird people hugging each other. I'm not a hugger. Or they're singing songs and raising their hands up in the air. What in the world are they doing? There are a bunch of crazies up in this joint. You know, you're kind of observing and all this stuff, and you think about they have a motive. They have a motive. They want something from me. Keeps us from going all in. Another reason we don't go, go all in is we don't understand. We don't understand what the gain is. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And here's what the result of that is. And all of these things will be added unto you. God says this. If you seek me first, all the stuff that you think is really important really isn't that important. I could take care of that. God could take care of whatever needs you have because he owns everything. He owns, the Bible says he owns the cattle on every hill. The Bible teaches us that he created the world and everything that's in it and of it belongs to him. If you own a house and you have a mortgage and you get to pay off your house this year, next year, and the next couple years, and you get that title and you burn the title, I bought my house, it belongs to me. No, you don't. You still pay taxes on it, right? And you know what else? You're not going to be here someday because the Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die. We're all going to pass from this earth someday. It's going to happen to every single one of us. Nobody has ever cured death. It's just not happen. But we underestimate the value. Oh, eternal riches, streets of gold. What does that mean for me today? You know what that could mean for you today? That somebody else that needs Jesus knows Jesus because of you. That a kid that you could pour your life into has, has, and that life has so much value. When you pour into that young person's life, 
understand that there's potential beyond our even comprehension. God could do something in that kid's life when you invest. When you invest in your church, when you invest in others, the dividends are eternal, and we undervalue those dividends because we can't touch them, you know? Yesterday we went, I didn't tell you this, Pastor Wesley, yesterday when we were at the car rental place, uh, we were Avis car rental, and this little short lady, she said two things to me that were really funny. She's about four foot nine, four foot ten, and she said, I wish, she said wish with wish, I wish I could take an inch from every tall person that I know, and I could be tall. I hate being short. And she said, it's unfair for you tall people and us short people. I said, why? And she didn't realize she gave me a huge backhanded compliment when she said this. She said, if I gain five pounds, I feel like a balloon. She said, you've gained 50 pounds and nobody can tell. Thank you. I mean, thus the CrossFit intervention after church today, okay? But she said to me, we have you in a, and I can't remember, it was like a crossover kind of vehicle. And I said, uh, hey, can I get somewhere I get a little more leg room? And she said, yeah, I'll, I'll get you something. And she came back, got a big smile on her face. Sir, I've got the greatest thing in the world to you. I'm going to give you a five-class or S-class Mercedes Benz at the same price. And I was like, oh. You can't, I, can't, I can't do a Mercedes. Why can't you? Well, I'm speaking at a church tomorrow. It's a church plant. If I come rolling up in a Mercedes tomorrow, you know, Pastor Wesley's going to go, what are you doing to me and my people here? You're killing me. Although Pastor Wesley would have said, let's go riding today. I would have been fun, you know, to go do that. I said, I need something different than that. So she gave me a big Yukon, which kind of fits the body style a little bit better. But um, she, was, she was so funny and so nice about it. And, and I thought that was a big deal, right? We think tangible, you know, a big car, a nice house. But you know, you, know, you know what happens to a lot of people that keep trying to get more stuff and more stuff and more stuff and more stuff? It's, you're, it's insatiable. You never ha- if that's what you're living for, it's never enough. It, you just never feel that you, you, you... But you know what happens when you pour into your kids or pour into a class or pour into young people or pour into somebody else that needs Jesus and their life and their family is changed forever? That's a value that you won't even get to taste until you see Jesus someday. We underestimate what going all in. So, so let, me, let me give you a couple things this morning. What does it look like to go all in for God? He went all in for us. He demonstrated his love for us, even though we were the farthest away from him we could possibly be. The Bible says Christ died for us. So our response to that should be, we should demonstrate some kind of love back to God because what he's given to us. If you believe that, say amen. Okay, so we gotta dim it. Now listen, if we believe that, say amen like you believe it, amen? Okay, I hear you a little better now. So we have to demonstrate our love back to God. How do we demonstrate our love? How do we go all in for God? Simply is this, give your heart to God. You know what he wants you to do? Believe him. He wants you to believe that he sent his son to die so that you can be forgiven. He rose him up from the grave so that you could live with him forever and ever. Going all in for God doesn't cost you anything except your heart and your belief system. He doesn't want you to prepay for eternity. He doesn't want you to give $20,000 to the church in an offering today. Not that they would turn it away. I could say that I'm a guest speaker, you know. He wants your heart. He wants Going all in for God is saying this. I believe you love me. That's what going all in for God means. Going all in for God means that you obey his word. Listen, you don't have to pre-qualify 
to become a Christian, like I told you earlier. But here's the thing. You know how we demonstrate our love to God? When we learn something out of the Bible, we take that truth and apply it to our lives. A couple weeks ago, recently, you had a baptism time. How long ago was that, Pastor Wesley? Last week? Okay, last week you had some people. You know what the greatest thing about baptism is? It's nothing more and nothing less than obedience. And God blesses us. Listen, when my kids obey me, when they were younger, not only was I shocked, wow, I'm a pretty good parent. They're listening to me this time, right? I was blessed by that. And my kids showed me they loved me by listening to me. Just like when your father in heaven who gave you everything sees you obeying him. And that change doesn't happen overnight. Listen, I'm 51 years old, been saved since I was a kid, really gave my life to the Lord when I was about 25 years old. You know what I learned today? I've got a lot more to learn. I was reading my Bible last night and we were talking about a weird intersection with the people in our car this morning. We kind of read the same passage, not knowing of it. And I'm learning some stuff about the book of the, I'm reading, I went through Esther last night, learned some new stuff about Esther, really cool stuff. And you know what helps me to understand I've got a lot, which means this, I've got a lot more room for growth in my life. I can be a better dad. I could be a better husband. I could be a better grandpa. I can be a better friend. I can be a better pastor. I can be a better citizen. I can be a better neighbor. I'm not there yet. And you know what the truth is? And I'm not saying this in a condescending tone. None of us are. But going all in for God means that I'm going to start making obeying him a value in my life. Going all in for God means I'm going to start following him. When Jesus said, follow me, it didn't mean like in the preschool class. I said, okay, guys, we're all going to go to the bathroom right now. And we get in the line and we all walk to the bathroom, you know, behind the teacher. That's not what following Jesus means. Following Jesus means is his values become your values. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The two primary commandments where every other thing that's in the Bible hinges on those two commandments. When you're following Jesus, you're loving people that are hard to love. It's easy for me to love my wife. I love my wife. She is the best thing that's ever happened in my life next to Jesus. But I have some HTL people in my life. Some hard to love people. How many of you have hard to love people in your life? Raise your hand up in the air. You know? Man, I had, we had some funny stuff happen in our church a couple years ago. Had a lady come up to me and she said, I voted yes for you, but I never wanted you here in the first place. I didn't know how to respond to that. I was like, I love you too. You want a hug? I mean, I don't even know what to say to her, you know? But God wants us to love the hard to love people. It's easy to love the people that we want to love. But you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to obey him. So if God went all in for us, demonstrated his love for us, even though we're sinners, Christ died for us, going all in for God means we love the things, we, lo- we give him our heart, we obey his word, we follow him in the way. You know what else we do? We love the things that he loves. Here's what going all in means for us practically at Hope Church with the micro bracelets, okay? Going all in at Hope Church means if I'm all in, okay, if I'm all in, and I wanna ask you a question, let's do a little repeating this morning, okay, like we're in a black church, okay? We're communicating to one another, not just me talking. I'm gonna say, Hope Church, are you all in? I want you to say, I'm all in, you ready? Let's try it out. Hope Church, are you all in? Okay, people in the next room couldn't hear you. Hope Church, are you all in? All right, let's keep that going, right? Here's, here's what this means. Going all in means that I'm gonna move from a spectator 
to a participator. Hope Church, are you all in? Here's what spectator means. We come in, we have, we have the same service times in our church uh, at the Warehouse Church. We have the 1030 service and the 1045 service. The 1030 service is, is when it starts. The 1045 is when the last few people show up. All in, and I'm not bagging you for being late. I get being late. I have four daughters. I'm down with the oppression, okay? I get it. But being all in means we come a little earlier because we're so anxious to see what God's gonna do in our life. Hope Church, are you all in? Hope Church, are you all in? All in means we move from a spectator, and here's what the spectator does. Yay! You know what I'm gonna do at one o'clock today? I'm gonna watch the Eagles go from seven to one to eight and one. They're gonna beat the Denver Broncos. I'm gonna clap. I'm probably gonna sweat a little bit. I might cuss once or twice, not on purpose. Not on purpose, okay? But I'm gonna watch it. But you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it, and you know what I'm gonna do the whole time? I'm gonna eat some chicken wings. Or, or celery for all you CrossFit people or whatever. But I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do that. And you know what I'm gonna do when the game's over? I'm gonna turn the TV off and we're gonna talk about where we're going for dinner. Because I'm a spectator. A spectator observes, yay. A spectator lets other people do the job. Somebody that's all in is ready, it comes to church ready to give. Somebody that's all in Ask the pastor, what do you need me to do this week for you, pastor? Show me some holes in our church. Listen, if this church is going from one service to two services in January, you need double the volunteers plus, you need double the, 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 the help that happens on, every, on a weekly basis, and you know what else you need? You need more people that are all in. Hope Church, are you all in? Hope Church, are you all in? Go, going all in also means it's moving from the church to my church. Hey, there's a difference. There is a big, big difference. And listen, if you're visiting today and this is, the ch- this is the church for you, right? That's cool. We want you to visit, get coffee, eat donuts. Go find one of the Beecham kids after church. I brought a bag of about 30,000 calories worth of chocolate and peanut butter and candy for them today. Like it was trunk or treat all over again. And I'm watching them eat it and I'm sweating because I have diabetes. I'm like, oh, you rotten kids. I'm just enjoying that candy through them, you know? And they're looking at me and it's on their face and on their clothes and Diana's mad at me because her clothes are dirty and we're leaving tomorrow, so it's awesome, but. When we go from a spectator to a participator and then we move from it being the church or a church to my church, my relationship changed with Kim Vogel when she became Kim Trinkle. She wasn't just a woman, she was the woman. Come on with that. I'm gonna tweet that later, okay? I, I really like that. When this church, when you came in here looking at church, you look at it, oh, this is cool, this is great, I'm considering, I'm thinking about it, I'm maybe. You know, where, where's the CrossFit dude that, that where the uh, trunk or treat thing was fixed for? Where's he sitting at, him and his wife? In the back over there. You know what happened to him and his wife's life last week when they got baptized? This was a church that became their church. It became their church. They said, I'm all in. Sold their house. They're ready. They're in. What do you need us to do, pastor? We're all in. Let's do this thing. Let's reach this community for Jesus Christ. Going going all in at Hope Church means it goes from the church to my church. It means this is the church I give and serve at. 
I give because I get to give, not because I have to give, not because I'm guilty when I'm giving. Listen, if your finances are in a weird place, get some help so you can give so that God will bless you. You know what I told my church just a couple weeks ago? I want you to give because I want this church full of blessed people because God blesses this church through you. We're not standing at the door trying to shake you down. We want this to be a place that's blessed and honored and God will bless your finances, your family, your future when you understand that God owns everything and he wants you to trust him by giving him back just a little bit of that to him. That's my church. I'm going to give. I want to make sure that that happens. When you go all in at Hope Church, Hope Church, are you all in? Don't be bigger than the smallest job. Man, there's some stuff that's not fun to do. Set up on Saturday's not fun. It's not fun. The first couple weeks it was fun. Oh, look, we get the YMCA. This is so awesome, right? And then it rains on a Saturday night. Then a couple of your kids are sick. And then you've got a really good movie you want to see. Listen, if Star Wars was coming out on a Sunday, the new Star Wars movie, I would probably cancel church that day. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But I may do a pre-recorded service for those that didn't watch it. I don't know, but... It's hard to do that. Week, listen, week one is fun. Week two is fun. Week three is fun. Week 30, year three. We, had, we did set up and tear down and up at our old church for six years. Six years. And you know what was awesome? When we got into our building one day, we had to find places for our people to serve because they were so used to serving. And you don't have to be a Christian for 30 years and know the books of the Bible in order and memorize John 3.16 and know the shortest verse and the longest verse and know all these Christian statistics to be a volunteer in this church. You have to say this, I'm in, Pastor West. What do you need me to do? You need help in the kids? You need help in the, the high school department? You need help set up and tear down? You need help, uh, whatever you need me to do, wherever there's a hole, I'll fill that hole for you. It's, we're all in. Hope Church, are you all in? when we adopt the policy in our own life of put me in coach. So why do we do it? Why do we do it? What's the reason we do it? First of all is to demonstrate our love to the one who gave us his son, who gave us everything so that we can be forgiven, who gave us everything so that we can have everlasting life, who gave us everything in spite of who we are, what we did, where we're from, what our background is. He doesn't care. He demonstrated. He loved you and just didn't say it. He did something about it. And if you're all in, you'll demonstrate your love to the house, to the place that God put in your life to learn, to grow, to serve, to follow, and to reach other people that need Jesus just like you and me. Hope Church, are you all in?